scenes with Smashville's favorite team. This is the Preds Official Podcast with Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Now on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. Another installment of the Predators Official Podcast is upon us. Darren McFarland, Kara Hammer. You never know what you're going to get on this podcast. That's what we've learned. Episode 16. We get crazy stories. We say crazy things. We throw out crazy words. Whether they exist or they don't exist, it doesn't matter. We have fun here on the POP. And we're going to have fun with head coach John Hines. He's going to join us here shortly as uh, the Predators are officially in the break. Three-game winning streak. We're going to ask Coach Hines, is this a good time to stop playing hockey? We'll ask him that. Right now, let's bring in Emma Lincoln, who is the Predators beat reporter. She is now with us. Emma, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, we're uh, we're doing good. I mean, we're not going to the All-Star game like you. <laughs> I've been to an All-Star game, an NHL All-Star game. I didn't have to even go that far. It was in Nashville. <laughs> the one right down the road. Yeah. And that's it. That's my All-Star experience, which was a great one, by the way. It was fantastic. We had, like, the best weather for this time of year we've probably ever seen in this market. It was amazing. Not that it really matters a ton, but there was a lot of outdoor stuff, and uh, it made you know made it for nice. I mean, the crowds were outstanding. Just the people around the arena, they weren't even going to the game, were hanging out because there was a lot of stuff to do, and the weather was fantastic. Uh, the weather will probably be fantastic where you're going to, I would think. Yeah, that uh, that's, you know, when I found out that I was going to be going to the All-Star game at first, you know, you have that first initial thought that's like, oh, well, I don't really get a break. But then it's like, well, you know, OK, you send me to South Florida in February, twist my arm. I'll OK, go. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> <that's-> <laughs> yeah. And to your point, um, I think they really are going to incorporate a lot of outdoor elements into this one um, with it being in Florida, as I said, and the the Florida Panthers rink is not exactly in the middle of the action. Um, it's in so, the middle of the Everglades, a swamp. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the events uh, for the skills competition and whatnot are going to, and the, the red carpet and everything are actually going to be taking place in Fort Lauderdale on the beach, which should be really nice. It should be cool. I know they're doing some parts of the skills competition on a golf course, I believe too. So it's going to be very Florida. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that. I was going to say, when you said they're going to be doing some outdoor stuff, I'm like, I've been to that rink. There ain't nothing going on there. It's (laughs) out in the middle of nowhere and it's off an exit. Is there still a mall there? Like do malls exist anymore? (laughs) I've been told that the mall is about the only thing worth going to near that ring. (laughs) I actually haven't been yet. It'll be my first time. Oh, this will be your first trip. Okay. Yes. Well, hopefully they'll venture off into Miami and Fort Lauderdale so you can see other parts. It's nice down there. Nice weather. Uh, It's nice the way this team is playing. I know we'll get into a lot of this with uh, head coach John Hines, but – these were three big wins, three 
much-needed wins against really good opponents. Absolutely. And, you know, a win's a win. A win is always good. But to have three wins against, you know, this caliber of teams, especially leading into the All-Star break, I mean, you can just tell the mood the is lighter. Everyone is feeling better because they know that they're finally – playing the way that they're capable of playing and you know maybe every it's a long season every team goes through ups and downs but it is hard when you go through the downs earlier in the year which the Predators had done so it's been really good to see them you know stepping up and performing the way that we know they can the way that they know they can and especially against those those top teams like I said. I think and I found one thing interesting was Saturday night, you know, in, in the first star interview with Matt Duchesne, he, he gave an announcement to the fans. He said, don't stop believing in us. How much do you think or, or and what have you seen out of this group? You know, these last three games that they have their own belief in the locker room, like they feel it themselves. Yeah, the, I think that that's exactly right. You know, this group, even as I said earlier in the season, maybe when there is some more doubt and negativity kind of coming in from the outside you know you never really saw these guys waver in their confidence in themselves and their abilities you know you see the obviously the mood will ebb and flow with the way that the games go whether they win or lose but you know as in terms of their confidence level and knowing what they're capable of they never have wavered in that and they've they've always been very confident in knowing what they're capable of. And so it's really, you know, it's good. It's validating now for, for them, I'm sure, but also for, for everyone else to see like, okay, this is, you know, this is really how they can play. And, you know, they're kind of, kind of just hitting their stride now. I think one thing we need to mention here is the reason you're going to the all-star game is because UC Soros is, is going to represent the predators. I feel like, you know, he's just, he hasn't wavered at all this season either. He has been on top of his game from game one. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's great to have a goaltender that you can always rely on that way. And, you know, as long as you have good goaltending, you always have a chance to win. But I think these guys are now, you know, they've been saying it all year oh, Juice stood on his head for us. He's the reason we stayed in these games and, you know, what have you. But now you're starting to see him kind of get the run support from the rest of the team. And, you know, that makes them feel good too because I think a couple of guys said it. Uh, I think Mikhail Granlin and Roman Yossi both said it last night um, after the win over New Jersey that, it was nice. We didn't have to make juice work as hard this time. You know, it's, they, they kind of feel like they're paying that debt back to him. So it's yeah. nice to see. I was reading about the, this like all-stars competition. It says they're going to have an attendee tandem where they're going to have a goalie in net and then a shooting goalie. But I, I don't know if you know this, they used to say that Pecorino, he'd be like the one goaltender. You could probably put him out. You'd probably play another position on the ice. I mean, <laughs> What what do you think Sarles would do if he had to be the shooting goalie? Like, do you do we think he he has a good shot? Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> um, so that that could be interesting to see. You know, I mean, I think we all know what he's capable of as 
far as, you know, the defending aspect of it, but, you know, it honestly might be kind of fun to, to see, you know, how he can shoot, you know, with him being a smaller guy, you know, maybe he's quicker and I don't know, could be interesting to see. And also don't really know who the, you know, the tandem will be assuming it, it's going to be within the division. It would be interesting to see UC with Hellebuck uh, from Winnipeg, you know, who's about twice his size um, paired up together. So that could be interesting too. It's time for the central division to get a win. I don't think they've ever under this new format. I don't think they've ever won. You might be right about that. Uh, pretty um, sure. I don't remember the central ever winning. They've got a good they've got a good squad this year, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Tanner should know. <laughs> broke broke through a couple times during this winning streak. Obviously, there's been a lot of emphasis on, you know, the main guys contributing. Well, you had Forsberg, Deshane contribute last night and step up. But also get more out of the secondary scoring. And Tanner Janot's a guy that had twenty four goals last year. Maybe, you know, this this little patch here in this winning streak can get him going. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things with Tanner, it's one of those things that you know you can see how much he contributes on the ice, even when he's not scoring. He's physical, he'll go to the mat for guys, he'll, you know, he'll block shots if he needs to he's a penalty killer you know he contributes so much that's not scoring but knowing him you know that he wants to be a goal scorer too he doesn't just want to be the big body and the enforcer and we've seen obviously as you said last year that he is capable of that and so you know I think from talking to him talking to his teammates no one was really concerned um by his you know lack of goal scoring this year because they could see how much he was still contributing to this team but you know now that he's you know kind of starting to heat up again it's been two games so we'll see what happens after the break but you know it's good good for him because you know that that's what he wants to do and and he feels better when he can contribute in that way if you have extra time down there, Emma, or you just get bored, you can always jump on a cruise ship, and they'll take you to a, a nice island somewhere, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, something. I mean, yeah. they have ports in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. There's cruise ships everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, if I if I don't come back afterwards, you know. That's <laughs> we know what happened. <laughs> You're cruising the world. Well, thanks for the visit. As always, um, this has been fun. This little stretch here, these three wins. It'll be I'll be very curious to see how they come out after the break. And it's not going to get any easier, but they'll have some more time at home. But it's Vegas right out of the gate, so you know there's no easing into this thing when they get back from the break. So thanks for doing this. Have fun down there, and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. All right, thank you guys. That is Emma Lingen, Predators. Beat reporter. She'll be down at the All-Star game down uh, in South Beach, down in South Florida. Sunrise. FLA Live Arena, I think is what it's called. They've changed the name. I can't keep up with arena names anymore. When we come back, Predators head coach John Hines will join us. We'll talk to him next here on the Predators official podcast. 
Back here on the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer here with you, and we are excited. We told you at the beginning we're going to catch up with Predators head coach John Hines as they are officially in the break, and we do appreciate uh, Coach for joining us here today. John, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. We started break, but it's always good to uh, talk and talk Preds. It's been a while since I've had a chance to talk with you and always enjoyed talking with Kara. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, it's always it's always interesting when you have this all-star break, right? Because you never know if you're going to welcome it. <laughs> like, man, thank goodness this break is here. Or if you're going to be like, man, we're playing really good right now. I'm not sure we want to stop playing. Where are you at on that right now? Uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, look, like you said, I think you can look at it either way. You know, you're on one hand, you're a little bit disappointed because I think that, um, you know, we had some pretty good, we're playing some good hockey the last three games and, and feel like you have some good momentum. Um, but also I think that it's been a really, it's been a really hard schedule, uh, particularly the last month. But I always think when you come in, like I think that, Something that happened needed to happen. You know, we talked about some certain things. Uh, those things got, you know, the elephant was out of the room. I feel like the team's in a good spot. So now, you know, you you go into break also. I think all of us, you know, most importantly, the players feeling good about uh, where we're at, where we're going. We know we have to play our best hockey down the stretch. But to get a little bit of a break mentally and physically, going off of positive games, I think also makes uh, the return that much better. You handed New Jersey only their third loss in regulation this season on the road. That was a tough game last night and a really good win. By the way, these three wins in this homestand after the St. Louis game and after the team meeting we'll get to in just a moment, beating L.A., Winnipeg, and New Jersey, that's a heck of a way to go into the break, isn't it? It is. You know, it's. Uh, I think for multiple reasons. I think you're playing a style of game that, that gives you a chance to beat top teams, you know, and all those teams, you know, sometimes it's different when a team's high in the standings the first 10 or 15 games. It might not be for real, but those teams are for real. They've been there for 40 games. Um, that was really good. I also think just, you know, guys understanding, and I think we're going to try to do a good job as coaches too to make sure when guys come back, we have some individual meetings. I think I have the video clips ready to show this is the – this is the effort. This is the attention to detail. This is the passion and the work ethic that, and the execution that we need to have to be a really good team. So I think there's lots of positives coming out of those games for sure. Let's talk about the team meeting. You've been doing this long enough. You've been around the game for a long time. You've been a head coach. It's always tricky, right? Because you know you're going to have ebbs and flows of a season. I mean, I guess unless you're the Bruins this year, right? Uh, every once in a while, certain teams don't have ebbs and flows. I think Tampa didn't have ebbs and flows a couple of years ago as well. But for the most part, the rest of the league is going to have ebbs and flows. You're going to have ups and downs, and you're going to have good patches and bad patches, and you got to navigate through that. And then at some point, you're probably going to have a you know a closed door meeting or, or a team meeting. You guys decided it was time after that loss in St. Louis. One, let's let's talk about that and and what's said in those meetings. Clearly it's worked in the three games coming out of that meeting. And can you just tell us and everybody listen to this podcast, when, how do you know when it's the right time to call that meeting? Well, so, you know, so I think as you go through the course of 82 games, as you said, like there's, there's highs, there's lows uh, and it's long. You have to try to, I think you have to try to vary things as a coach um, 
sometimes meetings, sometimes no meetings, sometimes hard meetings. Um, sometimes you have a bad game, you, you, you let it go and just move on to the next one. Uh, sometimes it might be a win, but you didn't play well and you're, you're, you're going to needle them a little bit there. And then you have other times where there should be no video. Uh, and sometimes it needs to be a discussion. And, you know, for the most part, we feel like we were going pretty good for a while. And, uh, you know, we had talked as a group, the players, and we knew the St. Louis game was a big game. Um, and, and we wanted to test ourselves in that game, uh, four point game for sure in the standings. And it, it, it wasn't good. You know, we had a decent first period and then we got run over for the final 40. And, uh, I think we all felt the same. It just seemed like it was the right time where, okay, this, this was, this needs to be addressed, uh, in a different way. We didn't need video clips. We need to find out why, why did we perform the way that we did? And, you know, how are we going to become a more consistent team? Because if we continue to do that, we're not going to be in the playoffs. You jump on LA two nothing right out of the gates. I mean, less than a minute in. So you're like, all right, man, this team meeting thing really worked. Look at how inspired everybody is. And then after 40 minutes of play, it's three to Los Angeles. What, what were you guys discussing at that point? Because it could have been, it could have been an easy, uh, Oh my gosh, here we go again. Are you kidding me? Obviously, that didn't happen. You guys responded with a big third period and a big win. But what was the discussion piece after the second period? You know that we weren't we weren't in control of the scoreboard, but we felt like we were we were in control of the game. We were we were playing solid hockey, and I think that you know the guys, you know, some of the things that we had talked about of uh, in the meeting were were readdressed. But the big thing was, you know, we knew it was going to be sixty minutes. We we knew going into this week, LA. Winnipeg and New Jersey, it was, they, those are not the games you can get away with playing 20 minutes or that you don't think there's going to be pushback in the game, or they might have a lead or we're going to hit some adversity in the game. Uh, they're too good a hockey teams for that. Uh, but I think the big thing was everyone was committed mentally and physically to the game, to the game uh, that night. We knew we were playing well. We felt like we, we, you know, as I said, we were in control of the game playing good hockey we weren't in control of the scoreboard where they, they had scored obviously to make it three, two, we just stayed with it. And I think, again, it goes back to some of the things that the guys say in the room, even after the coaches leave uh, is, is, is important. The messaging from your leadership uh, the right way at the right times is critical to having a consistent performance. Well, Alex Carrier had a big message in that Winnipeg game, but coach, I'm curious now it was announced before New Jersey that he's out four to six weeks with an upper body injury. Do you want now, I guess, now knowing that he's out with an injury, do you still want him to stand up for Cody Glass in that situation? Yeah, you know, Carrie, that's a good question. Um, I'd say this, I would never take away or or criticize someone for, for sticking up for the team. And I, th I think it was a natural instinctive reaction by him to react to the hit. I think that's what makes him a good, is what makes him a really good player is he's, his, his competitive nature and I think his care for the team and his teammates. I will be honest when, when he did do it and I saw it with Stanley, I was on the bench going, well, what is he doing? Uh, <laughs> um, to be, to be honest with you, uh, as, as all but, of us were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but you know, yeah, give him, I mean, he did well, to be honest. I mean, aside from him, his, his injury, uh, he hung in, he hung in there pretty well, but you know, I mean, as the coach, you're a little disappointed because you lost a guy that's, you know, one of our top four defensemen playing really well on the other side, you know, that's what makes teams stick together and, and that's what makes him a great teammate. So 
uh, it's an unfortunate situation the way it ended. ended. Coach, it happens. Kara, real quick. Coach, it happens so fast. I literally, the minute he jumped on, I was like, no! I just screamed it out. I'm surprised that Billing didn't hear you and me say that at the same time. (laughs) You know, I asked Gilsey that same question, and he said, yeah, for sure. He goes, that that fight, it changes your mentality on the bench. He goes, if I'm another guy on that bench, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to block a shot. I'm going to I'm going to do this. So, but off of that, last night, you know, when we're all leaving the rink, I hear Cody Glass walk by Alex and he said, hey, buddy, I'll have a gift for you when you get back. So as a coach, what what gift does Cody Glass bring now to the table for Alexander Carrier? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I know, I know Cody's going to Florida for the break. Um, I don't, I, I, that's a good question. Maybe something I have to do with, uh, Florida or maybe cause he's not going away now cause he's hurt. So maybe he's going to come back with a suntan for him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also curious with Cody glass. I feel like we, we always used to joke about this with Pecorine and, and Chris Mason, just two of the nice guys. They used to have nice offs, but covering this team, I don't think I've ever covered a player nicer than Cody Glass. Have you ever coached a guy that that just kind of has that that personality? I mean, he's just like, in hockey terms, he's a nice-o. Yeah, you know what, Kara? It is like everything about him is like that, you know? Um, except his game at times, which is good. You know, he can... But uh, no, I mean, he's just a... He's, as you said, I just think the way that he, he goes about, you know, his business, how he treats people, how he deals with people, and even his demeanor. You know, just I think when you look at him, there's some people... You know, you look at it and you're like, geez, this guy's just on cloud nine all the time. But he's, he is. I think he's a real caring kid. Um, you know, he's got, he's got a great way about him. And I don't know if I've, I, you know, I, it's a good question. I don't know if I've, I'm, I'm sure I've coached some guys that have been really, you know, really nice, uh, you know, like Cody. But I, but I would agree with you that just his overall demeanor, he's, uh, he's a great guy. What's changed? What, what, why is it, why is it working? this year uh, is it because he's healthy is it because he's comfortable does confidence the game slowing down I mean there's a variety of ways to go with this but why does it seem like it's finally coming together for Cody well I think there's been some steps you know when when we uh, acquired him Cody had come off I think a, a, a difficult situation in Vegas where he was he was up and down um in the American League and he also came off an injury uh he hadn't been able to train uh, the way that he needed to as a younger player. Like he, he's a big guy, but he's not, uh, you know, he's a guy that needs to train. Um, You know, some guys I think are just naturally big, strong um, guys. And he's a, he's a taller guy, but he, he he needs to train. His body wasn't ready to play night in and night out. Uh, And I also think his confidence wasn't where it needed to be from his experiences prior to coming to Nashville. You know, and he needed he needed some time to go down in the American League and play. He hadn't played in you know almost over over a year prior to us coming because of his injury. So he went down and, and uh, handled the situation the right way in Milwaukee. Uh, he came back to us later last year, had some experiences later in the season, and then played you know fairly well in the playoffs. He got a taste of the playoffs, which was important. It's important for young players' development. He came back to training camp this year. He was uh, you know I think he was much more much more fit um, mentally. He was more ready to, to, to make an impact. And then, so he was ready to make the team. He wasn't ready to impact the team in a big way, the way that he can now. Uh, and, and it wasn't physical. It was more mental and emotional. 
um, to, to go up and play in a top six role and play the matchups and believe that he can be there and feel, feel the confidence to, to, to play in those situations. And, you know, we took a little step back after that didn't work with him. And then now he's back to where he needs to be. And I think, you know, sometimes people don't understand the maturity of a player just because a player is high draft pick and they're a young, talented guy. They're human beings. And, and this is the hardest league in the world. It's a lonely league at times. Um, you have to be mentally, mentally ready to handle it, emotionally ready to handle it, physically ready to handle it. It's not just talent. There, there's so many things around talent that need to take place for that talent to come out. And it happens to, to people at different times. And right now, Cody's in that time. You get to live behind the glass. That is your life. So you're you're privy to the the meetings, the closed door meetings. We all got to get a sneak peek behind the glass because it was documented, and we all got to watch you guys tell Cody Glass he had made the team and was going to start off over in Europe with you guys. And you get to see, as you just mentioned, he's a human being. He is a professional athlete, but he's a human being, and you get to see that raw emotion. I don't know how you couldn't like Cody Glass more after seeing, you know, if everybody, every fan is watching that, Coach, and they see that, they realize, oh, wow, he has feelings just like me. And it, you know, it maybe brings these professional athletes down to a fan level where they can relate. That was a really cool moment. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it, it was a real special moment. And, you know, I, I think even just looking at the relief on him and the emotion he had, uh, was just the, I think the, you know, the stress that he came into, uh, the stress and the expectations of, you know, being in the American league for the most part last year, um, you know, understanding he had a great opportunity this year, had a good camp, but it's the hardest league in the world. As I said, again, to, to make teams and be on teams and get in the NHL and stay in the NHL. Um, and it, and, and it meant a lot to him. Um, and that's, that's, that's the type of kid he is. And I think that's a little bit why he struggled a little, you know, when we bumped him up in the lineup earlier in the year. Um, you know, I think you can, you can look at players and say, well, just play them through it. But as you said, Darren, when you, when you meet with a player and you bring them in and you talk to them and say, you know, why are your shifts short? You don't look comfortable in this situation. We put you here for a reason because we believe in you. And the player says it was big. I didn't handle it the right way. I was nervous. I, I didn't want to be on the ice. And I got to be better in those situations. That's the human part of it that, that lots of people don't have the opportunity to understand because, as you said, they're not in the meetings and they don't know these guys as people. You're listening to the Predators' official podcast. We're talking with head coach John Hines. You just brought up the mental part of the game and how big that is. That's something you've put a lot of time into, right? I know uh, listening to you talk since you've been here, uh, it's something you, you're willing to openly discuss, but I think it's something that goes even further back. I think you've said, isn't that something you studied in college and you constantly are studying kind of the, the mental side of the game? Yeah. I mean, I have an education degree, so I, you know, I've always, you know, had a feeling whether it was, uh, you know, when I first got into coaching, it wasn't necessarily to say I want to coach in the NHL. It's just more of, you know, I think teaching and helping, helping people grow. But, you know, I think the mental, the more and more you coach and, and you come from that background, you, you know, you understand that, there are really the three components. There's the physical component to, to athletics. You know, the, the other side of the mental part of it is, is there's the, there's the teaching, there's the learning, there's the communicating, but then also there's a toughness part of the sports and the athletics, you know, where you have to uh, be able to go through adversity. You have to have resiliency. Um, 
you know, you have to play in tough circumstances and tough situations. And that's, you know, that's a big part of being an, uh, an athlete. I mean, when you look at the possibility of trying to win a Stanley cup, that's 82 games, you know, plus another two, two and a half months to be able to play. Uh, you know, that in itself is you have to have toughness to be able to do that. Toughness isn't just fighting. It's, it's, you know, the ability to, as I said, I think handle adversity, handle pressure, uh, handle physical uh, battles on, on the ice, uh, play through fatigue, play through being tired, play through tough circumstances. All those components are, are really important in, in being a really good athlete and a really good team. You made the decision to put Ryan McDonough and Roman Yossi together. It seems to, to be a, a really good decision. It's worked really well. How did you come to that decision, and what does a guy like Ryan McDonough bring to this team? Well, we came to the, de- the decision pretty quick. Uh, to be honest, originally we felt like, uh, you know, going into the season having Roman, you'll see with, with Fabs was a decent pair, and also trying him with Carrier, and then looking at McDonough and Ekholm, with Ekholm on the right of, of trying to be one of those, you know, top PK pair guys, you know, big, strong guys that, that – you know, have the uh, ability to play against top lines and things like that. Um, when we put them together, it was okay. But then, you know, we also, you know, looked at Roman and had a feeling that Roman could be really good on the right side as well because of his skill set. Uh, so, you know, we felt like the the D was was uh, just okay earlier in the year. So we figured, you know, put 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 Yossi on the right, and he was willing to do that and wanted to do that. Pair him with McDonough. There's your, you know, guys that should complement each other. Uh, two really good players. And then Echo McCarrier has always been a solid pair. Um, so, you know, since we put them together, they've been really good. Coach, it's been almost three years, I guess, just a little bit after three years since you took over as the head coach of the Predators, I guess. You know, for you, how have you kind of seen this team grow? And and you yourself as a coach, do you feel like you you found – how you want to coach when you just touched on, you know, all the, all the lessons you took away from the mental aspect to the, to, to the toughness aspect. Yeah. You know, I, what I really found with this, with this group of players, I think, you know, they've been really uh, challenging and, and I think helped has helped me uh, grow as a coach, but I'd probably say the big thing is relationships. I think that these guys respond to communication. They respond to a ton of communication. I think they, they really, this group of players, uh, particularly our veteran guys, I think that they're, you know, they're, uh, they have a lot of experience. You know, I think they have opinions and, and they want to be heard. It uh, doesn't mean we do, you know, all the things uh, that they feel needed. But I think uh, the big thing for me is really, really trying to, uh, every coach talks about communication, but really trying to make sure that you do a good job with team communication. But you know, probably more importantly, small group communication, leadership communication, one-on-one to, to really understand what drives the guys and, and what you specifically need from certain people. Uh, but also on the other side, being willing to listen as a coach that I think you have to, you have to be the man in charge as the head coach. There has to be the plan. There has to be rules and, and, and things that guys are going to do, but, you know, willing to, to have a bit of a partnership and understand there's certain things that uh, I think players need and the team needs and you can bend on, but almost like sometimes being a parent, there's certain things that you, you're looking at your kids and saying, I know you want this, but this isn't the right thing. This, or you have to kick them in the butt a little bit to, to get more out of them. I, uh, I, I think that's where we've, it's, it's, it's been a great experience from that standpoint. 
you know, sometimes after my interviews with, with Coach Hino, we get done and we, we like, like, you know, he's just such an energetic guy and we see it translate to the players. But how much does it also translate on the coaching staff for you? Oh, it does a lot, you know, and, and that's one of the things when, uh, you know, when I was when I was going through the coaching search and was doing research on Danny, um, you know, that was something that that uh, we I was looking for. And, and every person I talked to with Danny was like, this guy's this guy's going to bring energy every day, all the time. He's probably one of the most positive people you're ever going to meet. Uh, there's never a bad day in his world. And, you know, here's a guy that's gone through he's got a lot of things in his life that haven't been all rosy, but. Um, you know, he, he's, he's there to crack a dawn. He's got tons of energy. Uh, he's always got a smile on his face. He always finds, you know, uh, he's not the eternal optimist where he doesn't see the reality of things, but there's always a solution. There's always a way to get around it. You know, when there's adversity, you know, he's one of these guys, adversity comes through. It's like, well, that's great because this is, this is what's going to happen from it. So, uh, he, he brings a ton of energy to, to the team, to the coaching staff. Uh, and that's something that, you know, was when you're looking at a coaching staff, you're looking for different attributes uh, and him being a, you know, a bit of a younger guy, um, players type of guy, you know, he's, he's been fantastic for us. Cole Smith got his first goal. He's at now had two goals on this little three game win streak at home, seeing the reaction from everybody when that happened. Um, that was pretty cool, pretty special. And then I know it carried over in post game or after the game, in the locker room, but what, what did that mean to this team, him finally breaking through? Well, you know what, it, it meant, it meant a lot to the team. And and I think that, uh, you know, they all, they all, I mean, he's, he's, he's a great teammate. And I think when you're part of a team and you're going on the ice and you're, you're in the glass, you're in, you're inside of the arena. Um, you know, the guys in the locker room understand, you know, a lot of the things that it takes to be a good team and there's different style of players. And I think when you look at Smith's ability to, you know, he stands up and a, he fights for his teammates B, you know, he plays hard minutes. He plays the game the right way. He's physical. He plays in all the hard areas. He's got a great engine. Um, he's essential on the penalty kill. Um, you know, when, when, when your teammate does those things for you uh, as a player, you know, I think you everybody wants to be able to, to score and do some things. And he's had, He's had so many chances, you know, to that that he's generated that haven't gone in for him. Yet he scored 24 goals in Milwaukee a year ago, so you know it's there. Um, and I just think, just you know, the way that he goes about his business, he's 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 valued for for by his teammates for those reasons. And I think it's you know they were just really really happy for him. We've heard so much about this first round pick from Russia, this goaltender, the highest one ever selected in an NHL draft in Yaroslav Askarov. And he was in the KHL. And he finally got over here, and he's been in Milwaukee, and we've heard so much, and he's still just 20 years old. But we got a glimpse of him in Montreal against the Canadians. He got to make his NHL debut. What did you make of this this kid that's the number one prospect in your pipeline? I, I know it's one game, and he's 20 years old, and you guys didn't get the result you were looking for. But overall, what did you think of his performance? Well, I thought his performance was, uh, was pretty solid. You know, I think, I mean, what a, what a great experience for him, you know, to be able to come in. He plays his first NHL game in Montreal, which is, you know, one of the great places to play. Um, I thought he came in, you know, you can see his athleticism. You can see his moxie. Um, 
I mean, he's, he's going to be really, really good. He's, he's a little raw right now. You know, I think there's certain components, you know, even in talking after, after the game, just, you know, the, the East West plays, the, the skill level, the speed of the game, uh, you know, the different level of shooters that you face in the NHL was, was a great experience for him to see, but what, what, you know, what, what you see with him, you see the size, you see the athleticism, you see his ability to play the puck. Um, you know, he made some huge saves. I just think it's, he's one of these guys that's a highly talented kid. He's, he's coachable, you know, and just keep getting the experience, you know, get, get the, the uh, experience in Milwaukee. He's going to get his opportunities up in the NHL. I think if he does the right things and he stays coachable with our goaltending coaching that we have here, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a great player. How's his English? His English is good. Really? You know, okay. Surprised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what it is? Yeah. He's, uh, he was, uh, I, when I saw him this summer, guys were like, he speaks, he speaks, you know, he speaks really good English. Um, I mean, he has a, he has a, he has a Russian accent and, and, you know, you, it's not fluid, fluid, but he's, he's good to communicate with. Okay. Cause I, I've dealt with other predators, Russian players in the past. I remember when Alexander Radiloff got here coach and he came on a radio show at the time. And I luckily got to talk to him in the break for a few minutes and I realized, uh-oh, we better have our finger on the dot button. He doesn't know very many English words, and the few yeah. that he does know really shouldn't go out over the air. So this is going to be a dicey interview. <laughs> I can see that with Rad. He was, uh, he was, he's, yeah, I, I, I can see that for sure. No, no, uh, Yaroslav's good. He's, he's, uh, he'll be, a, he'll be a good interview. He's got some personality too. So eventually, when he's, you know, when he works his way up here and, and he's here, he's going to be. Uh, He's probably going to be a, a favorite on the radio. That's for sure. That's awesome. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up with uh, having a little fun. So you're in you're in the break. So what is head coach John Hines going to do during the break? Well, first of all, you know I'm I'm going to pick up some dad duties because I don't get uh, don't I don't get to do many of them um, during the season. So this weekend I got two of my girls are home with me. Got a Ravenwood uh, basketball game tonight versus Nolansville, and then. Um, volleyball on the weekend my wife is in south florida this weekend with my other daughter for volleyball then this week i'm gonna you know hang out do a little bit of work and uh prep but uh just have some good family time one of my daughters turned 16 on wednesday got some ravenwood basketball games during the week and then another volleyball tournament next weekend so just enjoy nashville get to see my kids play be around my family spend some time with sarah my wife um and just kind of kick back and relax. A little staycation this I, week. I like it. So did your daughters get the volleyball thing from your wife? She was a volleyball player, right? Yeah, yeah. She was a volleyball player. She played at uh, University of Pittsburgh. And then uh, she was coaching. She was a college coach for a while. And we met. I was an assistant coach at Wisconsin. And she was working at the in the volleyball program at Wisconsin. That's how we met. So, uh, yeah, they all got the volleyball bug from her. So she, you know, she... Uh, she coaches, she helps out with the club teams and, and, and she's really active with that. So it's, 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 it's nice because of our schedule. You know, I, I do miss a lot, but it's something that, you know, she, she loves, she can help them, you know, they're all into it and uh, it's enjoyable for them when I'm not around. Kara, get your popcorn ready. Let's see how coach answers this. Who's the better athlete, you or your wife, coach? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably. How about this? Probably depends on what sport you play. Okay. Okay. Where, where does she uh, get you? She's going to get you in volleyball. We know that. What else is she going to get you at? She's going to get me in volleyball. She's probably going to get me in basketball. She played oh, basketball. Too. Okay. Um, 
And you and you know what the other one was? She used to do. Uh, I mean, she is into fitness and stuff, but she used to do swimming. She's going to get me in for sure. Okay. She used to be a life. She she used to be a lifeguard. So and she used to do triathlons. So she would do like uh, the swim bike run. I can swim, but I'm not like I don't enjoy like laps and long distance swimming. So so I would do the running and biking with her, and then she could do the swimming. So I think you get to like hawk to the contact sports. I'll be okay. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Is it is this competitive, Coach? I mean, do you are you guys like you know if you're out and you're you're playing hoops in, in a game of horse, is this a competitive marriage now with two two athletes? Uh, no, I no, you know what? I think probably no, I wouldn't say we get it too competitive on that, but you know, because I probably do, and then she's just like she's like enough, you know, she shuts it right. <laughs> act like, a, act like an adult. I, yeah, I get the act like an adult every now and then. <laughs> I, I also got to know, are you into Catan? I was talking with, with uh, Coach Richards, and he told me he's all about Catan. And I heard he was in there having the players sign a box of this game, Catan. Have you played it? You know what? I haven't I haven't played it yet, but I do know it's huge with Todd and Danny Lambert. Those guys play it uh, all the time. So one of the things we do, sometimes we have coaches uh, over, and I think what we're going to try to do is maybe when everyone gets back, try to have the coaches over. And, see, and I, I got to learn how to play it, but they said it's it's one of the best games they've ever played. And it's great for, like, big groups and families and stuff like that. So um, we got to try to get it going over here. I know you like to bond with your coaches. Uh, I think you guys play golf together. Who's the better golfer? Who's the best golfer in the group? I'd say the best golfer is uh, is Todd. Okay. Although I did, I did, I did beat him this year. In this summer, it was my home course, which which he says is a is a complete advantage. But uh, I'd say he he he's probably the best golfer. Yeah, if you went toe to toe. But yeah, we enjoy that. We like to you know go golf and go to dinners and stuff on the road, and um, you know try try to even when you have these long road trips, I think it's important to 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 get away from it and bond and get to know get to know those guys, have fun together outside of the game. You know, we try to do some things throughout the year where we have the wives. You know get together or significant others, whoever it is. Um, you know, my wife, Sarah, tries to do some lunches and things with the coaches' wives to, you know, when we're away or on the road or things like that, just to make it more of a family. You know, it's a it's a, it's a a great business. It's a great league. But, you know, I think a lot of times when you look at the coaching profession, um, lots of times guys are living here and, and either they're by themselves or there's no family, there's no roots here. You know, so a lot of times your your family is your staff. Kara, uh, if your daughter grows up and wants to play volleyball, you know where you can lean, where you can, you know, if you need coaching tips or whatever, I mean, you got the Heinz family, man. They got you covered. That's right. Kara, we got, we got everything for you. We got clothes. We got (laughs) toys. We got advice, everything. Volleyball, you name it. You name babysitters. Need a babysitter. I got three of them right here. They're all babysitting age, so. Okay. I was going to say, you, you've got that one on record, Kara. <laughs> Coach, really appreciate it. Enjoy uh, some dad time during this much-needed break, and uh, I know you're looking forward to getting after it, starting with Vegas at Bridgestone Arena after the break. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great, uh, great to connect with you again, and uh, have a great rest of the day. Kara, enjoy the break, and uh, anytime you guys want to do this again or, or need, need me, uh, anytime. Really appreciate it. That is Predators head coach John Hines. We'll step away and we'll be back with more here on the Predators official podcast. Back around the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer here with you. Good stuff 
from head coach John Hines. We certainly appreciate him joining us. So Emma told us at the beginning of this podcast she's going to go cover the NHL All-Star Game. Who knows? She may end up on a cruise ship. Not sure. (laughs) To be determined. To be continued. Coach John Hines told us he's going to put on a dad hat this week. Uh, His wife is with one of their daughters away on a volleyball trip, and he's going to be home with the other two daughters, and so he's going to check out their games, get them to school, all that good stuff. He's going to be a dad. So what are you doing, Kara? You going to just be a mom during the break? I'm just going to be a mom. I'm going to ski. Well, I'm going to. Oh wait a minute! You're going to ski? That's just being a mom. Yes, I'm not going to be like some of the other moms. Like I'm not strapping, you know, my baby on me while we're skiing because I do see that sometimes where we live. But really, um, no. I'm going to hopefully get some. Do you really? It's a thing, Darren. Oh my gosh! It, it, it's really a thing. Like the baby, like the burrito. But, um, they're they're like attached to them while they're skiing. Yes. Oh no! Wow. I would but, be brought uh, up on charges because charges. The once you once you you would see how I ski, I would be brought up on charges. Like that's you know neglect. Yeah, I'm not that great either. So I'm so you know I probably ski a little bit, get get relaxed, take some time. You know, it, I feel like it's a positive time for a break because things were so good. The last three games there, and they've been so good and so exciting that I'm, I feel like energized. I'm excited. Okay, let's have a break. Let's all go on vacation. Let's get back and let's string some more wins together and make this push. So you think it is a good time for a break? I think it's a good time. I think talking with, with John Hines, I felt like he thought it was a, a good time. You know, I asked him that same question after the game. He said, yeah, it, it's always welcome. I think the players, they, they got up a little bit more knowing that they were going to have some time off. Plus you add in the Alex Carrier, Carrier um, injury that now get, that gives them a little bit of time to heal before the team makes a final run towards the playoffs. Am I just crazy? And maybe I am. Don't Don't answer that. I mean, I can't go against the coach and you, but I don't think it's a good time for a break. I'm like, no, this is not a good time. They're playing really well. Those were three huge wins. Those are playoff teams they just beat. Yeah. I I just I don't think it's a good time, but it really doesn't matter because they're going to have a break. They're in it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I think, but I just was like, man, even – but here's the other part. I also did Smashville Live on Wednesday night, and I did it with Hal Gill, a.k.a. Skillsy, and Nino Niederreiter, and Ryan McDonough. And Hal said, but you, you got to beat you gotta beat New Jersey. You can't go into the break with a loss. So there's that, too. Like you, So they did what, you know, Skillsy's saying, like, you got to win. Yeah. You don't want to lose going into the break. That's, like, the worst thing. You got to sit on that the whole time. So I well, guess it's like they, he- you know, Coach Hines said before that three-game stretch, he said, hey, 2-1 and one is good. 3-0 and oh is great. Yeah. And they ended on a great note. And I felt like they were dialed in. They had the mindset that they needed. I mean, those three games, especially that first game on Saturday night, that's a mental challenge to come out where you, where you know in a week, you have a few days off. Maybe you're going to the beach or you're, you know, you're, you're going to go to the mountains. You're going to have some time away from the game. So to stay dialed in knowing, all right, we have a chance to pick up six points 
then we go on vacation. I felt like the guys, they did that. They answered the call, talking with Matias Eckholm before the game. Last night, he said the same thing. He said, nobody should be thinking about the break. We need to focus on the next 60 minutes. I think Nino said there, he's going to the Bahamas. And I think Ryan's, Ryan's McDonough said Grand Cayman. And the reason I remember that is because I was – Grand Cayman in August. I was there. It's beautiful. I tell him the water is amazing. I typically oh, don't get in the water, Kara, because I l- I'm fascinated by sharks. I love Shark Week. I just don't <laughs> want to be amongst the sharks. I like to watch them from afar. I like to observe them. I like to study them. I just don't want to be in a cage, or I don't want I don't want one swimming you know underneath my legs. You know I don't want a bull shark by my legs. I don't want that or a hammerhead or something. I, I don't want any part of that. So I don't get in the water, but in Grand Cayman, it was so awesome. You could see everything, you know, it's the clear water so you can see yeah. everything. So if I, if one's coming toward me, I'll see it. So I got in the water. I loved it. That's my kind of water where I can see what's around me. Like the total opposite of paddle boarding on the Cumberland river here, where you don't know what's no, in the water yeah, you're no, hoping, Oh no. gosh, yeah, no. Nothing. No, don't splash up on me. I'm not even going to put my toe in. No. You've never seen me paddle boarding on the Cumberland, ever. And nobody ever has <laughs> and nobody ever will because I can't see anything. Not that there's sharks in the Cumberland, but, yeah. I well, there might be. We don't know what's in that river. Well, that's that's a really good point. But Grand Cayman is beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go there, it is it is beautiful. Beautiful place. Beautiful water. Water. So, all right, let's talk, let's talk quickly. Let's end with kind of how they they got things turned around, right? We talked about the team meeting with John Hines. They've been open about the team meeting. It sparked this three-game winning streak. They're playing the type of hockey they want to be playing. They're getting production, secondary production, uh, secondary scoring. They're getting production from the big contracts, right, the ones that they're expecting the scoring from. So what else have you seen? That's helped contribute to these three games, three wins, six points. Well, I think that's it. I think it's the the big name guys score. And I think one thing was they put the power play unit that had a lot of success last season. They put them back together and we saw them score the other night. You know, they came out right away. They had one chance to score on the power play and they did. And that changed the game, helped them win that game. But also, you know, Granlin breaks a six game scoring drought. He gets on the board. Tanner Janot hadn't scored a goal since October 27th. He has goals in back-to-back games. And, of course, obviously, Cole Smith finally breaks through, scores his first NHL goal. I mean, the, the reaction from the bench, you could watch that video over and over and over again. Coach Hines said you would think the guys won a game seven. They were so excited for him. So I think it's it's all of that combined, and I think a lot of it is it's just – what we talked to Emma about the belief, these guys have, have a belief. And, you know, when they come back after this break, it's going to be, it's going to be tight hockey. I mean, they, they take on Boston, what, two games oh, yeah. back after the break. And, Boston. and, you know, you're, you're right back in it and, and they got to string some wins together if they're going to make a run. All right. We, I, I got to ask you this on the way out. So you saw also the reaction. Sometimes we get a peek into the locker room after a game, right? Courtesy of the Preds. And I love that stuff. And, you know, they've always, they always have a theme every year, right? Like it's the, the dog on the bone, the chain. They always have something, right? Some theme thing, some type of hat or whatever. This year it's this, this helmet. 
Yeah. And that was really cool to see them put the helmet on Cole Smith and beat his head like that. And they were all excited. Do you where I don't know the story and I should have asked this to John Hines and I meant to. Now I'm kicking myself. What do you know the do you know anything about the helmet, how that all came about, the story behind the helmet? You know, I don't, I don't know about the helmet and I still, I don't even think I've ever asked coach Hines last year about when they used to wear what they used to wear like the spade, right? The card. Yes. The card. Yes. It, it was an, an ace. I think it was an ace. I think that's the, right. the yes. Big, the big card. So I don't know. So we'll have to report back on the next podcast. We'll have to get with Heinze and ask him what's the deal with the helmet. Yeah. I, I've got to know, right. I've got to know what I always want to, in fact, we need to dig a little deeper and, and how do they come up with this every year? Like how do they, figure out what is going to be the themed item that they're going to use after games. Yeah. And award to players. I don't don't know. I think the only thing I can report from inside the locker room is the last two games. The, the song that they've played coming out has been pump up the jam, which makes me think of, what do you call this? Now this volume. Volume. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love that song. Should I? Yeah, I'm not. I didn't, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to touch it. I love that song. That's a, it's great, a great song. song. Yeah, and it does I, get you pumped up. It did, you know. In the Winnipeg, I I heard it. I was like, oh, this is a great song. All right, here we go. Pump yeah. up the jam. We got to find out who's so responsible for that. Back. Yeah, they who's come. responsible for that? So I don't know. So another more investigative journalism coming. We have from got, the hallway. I will report back. We are making a list things that we need answers. You're on the POP. We need answers. Kara, good stuff. Uh, Enjoy your skiing. Don't get hurt, please. Uh, (laughs) Enjoy your time off. And uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. All right. uh, For Pat and Cook over here, spinning the dials and working his magic with the editing when we say silly things. It does happen from time to time. For Emma Lingen, for head coach John Hines, I'm Darren McFarland. Hope you enjoyed This particular episode, we look forward to talking to you next week on the Predators official podcast.